Good morning. Welcome to Awaken. I'm one of your hosts for the morning, Mark Holcraft, joined by Dr. Joseph Holcraft. Uh, good morning, Dr. Joe. Great to be with you, brother. Great to be with you, too. Thank you. So, Awaken is joining you this morning uh, with a couple special things. One, uh, I am in Duluth, Minnesota. We had a banquet here last night for Real Presence Radio. It was a phenomenal banquet. And we're very blessed this morning. We have a, a, a double dose. So last night, our keynote speaker for the banquet was Teresa Tamio. We all know her from Catholic Connection, EWTN. Some of our listeners, you've connected to her books. Well, we're so blessed that uh, we have Teresa with us this morning. Good morning, Teresa. Hey, good morning. It's, it's great to be here. Great to have you. Uh, and Do- Dr. Joe, as always, is joining us from... Ohio, kind of central Ohio, near Canton. Uh, really? Oh, that's Dr. Ray's territory. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> Stay yeah, far, right. far away. Back away. Just saying. We don't live far from him. Oh, we don't I'm sorry. And, and, and let me tell you, Teresa, I, how impressed I am that, that uh, after giving a keynote last night, you woke up early this morning to be with us. There's, um, there's some redemptive power in that, let me tell you. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's. I'm so blessed to to have been accepted and and graciously loved by so many listeners across the country. And and Catholic Radio people work so hard, and it's so important in people's lives. So, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Had to get up anyway to catch a plane and and give me yeah. a microphone, and there I am. <laughs> exactly. I got it. God bless you. God bless Thank you. Thank you. Well, before we dive in too much further, let's go ahead and let's begin with prayer. All good things begin with prayer. The beginning in the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us, but we ask for your special blessing upon all of our listeners. Anoint their ears, their eyes, their hearts, that we always are led to the truth and led by the truth. We pray and we ask for the intercession on this morning, especially the intercession of Our Lady and St. Francis of Rome, her feast day. Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we're blessed. We have, uh, you know, I want to say the trifecta, which means three. Um, but we're excited to have <laughs> Teresa with us. Um, that's a basketball term. If you didn't play basketball, did you play basketball growing up, Teresa? Heck no, I was I was a cheerleader, but I never I could care less about anything else but sports. <laughs> the only reason I was a cheerleader for one year is I had a crush on one of the players, so I thought maybe he'd notice me more if I tried yeah, out for that was, cheerleading. That was the, the question coming. Yeah, yeah, he didn't pay any attention to me until years later when I was on television, and he was a uh, an appliance salesman, and I went into the store with my husband to buy a new refrigerator, and he noticed me because I was on TV by then, and I said, "Oh gosh, I, I just don't remember who you were," and I knew exactly who I was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's How amazing what uh, yeah, it's amazing what a little crush might make us do. You know, some people yep. play basketball just to get close to the cheerleader. So, mm-hmm. uh, you never know. Um, well, good morning, friends. And so, we are talking this morning about the calming of the storm. If you've been listening to us and staying with us on Awaken the last few episodes, you know, we've been kind of dipping into and digging into Matthew chapter seven. And so today we dive in, we dive into Matthew chapter eight. But why? What's, what's the purpose behind all this? Is Joe and I have been exploring the questions Jesus has been asking. So, Teresa, as you, what you're walking into this morning, we've been asking, we've been discussing what are the questions Jesus is asking, mm-hmm. you know, and really kind of just questions as a whole surrounding all of it. And so, 
maybe you, you ran into this, some of the tagline is what we're taking a look at right now is uh, Jesus was asked, or Jesus asked 307 questions. He has asked 183 questions, but only answers three questions. Mm. And so just the whole nature of questions surrounding Jesus. And so what's been a rather a common theme is what we're running into as we dive into the questions of Jesus or the questions that Jesus asks is the very classic uh, Hebrew way of teaching, you know, to answer with a question, right? right? To answer a question with a question. And so this morning, we dive into the calming of the storm at sea. Um, and so Joe... If you're, if you're up, I think uh, what I'd like to do is just read the scripture for our listeners, get a sense of the context of what we're diving in, and then hone in on what's the question asked, huh? Yeah, yeah. Sounds so, good. Excellent, excellent. So we're going to begin chapter 8, verse 23. He got into a boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm came up on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by waves, but he was asleep. They came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you terrified, O you of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. The men were amazed and said, What sort of man is this, whom even the winds and the sea obey? And so, Joe, we got a couple of questions. First, and I think the one that we'll probably spend more, more of our time on this morning is why are you terrified, O oh, you of little faith? Mm. And then he got up and mm. rebuked the winds and the sea. And so there's a couple of things happening because really you can almost, you could take that out. There's two different lines there. Why are you terrified? One. And two, O oh, you of little faith. And yet they're brought together. Right? Yeah. So there's, there's, there's a lot happening here. There really is, Mark and, and Teresa as well. And I think something we need to do is maybe go to a few verses before that, because Jesus does something that I think sets this this narrative up. He says, when Jesus, we read, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side. He gave orders to cross to, to the other side. So there appears to be a direct line between our Lord's command to cross over to the other side and the coming storm that once curiosity is aroused, right? Is is Jesus deliberately taking his disciples into a new kind of situation in order to test their faith in him? In this, Jesus will now see how closely the knowledge they have just received. Mark, you just said it. We were in Matthew 7, right? Matthew chapters 5 to 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's now going to, to see how closely the knowledge they've just received, their experiences, are able to inform the will and emotions in a time of extreme need. So the disciples will be invited to confront this living knowledge of how much they actually trust Jesus. Uh, what is it that they confronted? Some Bibles translate it as a storm, others a great storm, uh, others great tempest winds, and as you read, Mark, a violent storm. Certainly, I think violence at best hints at what is going on here. The phrase, though, is probably best translated as a great shaking in the sea. A a shaking that brought about an earthquake that would have been a new experience for them. A a new kind of fear. And it's interesting, the Greek itself actually invites us into this text in a very unusual, uh, unusual way because it's just not seen anywhere else. Right? You're made to ask the question, what? What kind of, of quaking, shaking is this? 
we're almost made to experience what the disciples are experiencing, this new kind of fear, a different kind of fear. And there is Jesus sleeping. Uh, Mark, you read the words, uh, they came and woke him, Lord, save us, we are perishing. In all probability, asking the question, you know, why have you brought us this to this place to perish, right? Has, has our following you led us to only perish? Right. Incidentally, was this not the kind of question asked to Moses from the Israelites, right? Is this the best you can do for those who have given you everything? Right? Well, indeed, you lead us out of Egypt only yeah. to die, right? Mm-hmm. It, th- that's it. You know, and, and so in this, all of their phobias, all of their dark compulsions um, that were in the shadows have now come to, to the surface as they begin to cling to their master in an all new way. And again, what do they do? They wake him up because he was sleeping. And that is so provocative. My <laughs> God is sleeping in the boat. Why this is uh, one of my favorite narratives. It, you know, you guys, one of the things I was really made to reflect upon yesterday as I was just meditating this text is sleep in itself. You know, this mysterious state of presence and absence at the same time. Jesus chooses this state of dormancy. Why? Could it be to provide the space the disciples need to act out fully their fears and, and, and exhibit the degree to which his presence and, and actions have thus far changed their life for Jesus interiorly? Right? You know, the, the very presence of Jesus at the center of, and let's bring this into our own circles, right, in, into the center of our despair, does not necessarily keep the storm from occurring. It may even provoke it. Right? So the impending catastrophe becomes really the greatest occasion for breakthrough because the disciples no longer say, Lord, teach us, or Lord, lead us, or Lord, guide us, Lord, reward us, or even Lord, feed us, but Lord, save. Save us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, save. What is that but a cry out to the name of Jesus who, oh, by the way, right, what does Jesus mean but God saves? What does the archangel say to our lady, say to Mary, you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people. And so all of this then kind of sets up, I think, Mark, the question, (laughs) Jesus's question, which (laughs) is so fascinating because putting ourselves into the situation here, he asks the question, why, and and the, the Greek renders why are you so cowardly you of little faith he has yet to rebuke the storm right so, yeah <laughs> so he's he's asking the question and, and and here the disciples the water is filling the boat and he's asking the question why why are, why do you lack faith why do you lack trust right? fascinating fascinating stuff well, Joe, there's, it's so significant the relationship of faith and trust, and, and we're gonna we're gonna get into a little bit of that in the context of Lent uh, in our second segment. Um, but Joe, I, as you're talking and we're discussing uh, the violent storm, right, that came up on the sea, and Teresa and I, we're, here we are, we're on the shores of the Superior Lake mm. Superior, and so mm. there's a very strong visual because there's a very famous story in the area that a lot of the locals in Duluth would know of a ship that was coming in across the lake and it, it got stuck in the sea and it got torn to pieces. 
I say the sea, the lake, right? Well, the, um, the Great Lakes yeah. are like small seas. If you're, I, I'm from Michigan, and so you know, I'm surrounded by the water, and, and I just am and, and just in awe of, of all of the Great Lakes. They are they right. are little oceans. They're so powerful. You're referring to the Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, uh, yes, 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 and, and exactly. uh, that is an incredible story. The Mariners Church in downtown Detroit. Uh, is where they held uh, many of the uh, funeral services oh, okay. for those men. But when you are are along the um, the, the lakeside, the, the 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 seashore, basically, whether it's Michigan or or here in uh, in Minnesota, you could see the power of the water. And if you're in the Holy Land in Israel, if you're on um, the Sea of Galilee, they tell you when you're there when when they're describing when the guys are describing what happens with the weather and and the way they the weather can turn on a dime that the actual story of the storms at sea is very realistic, that the fishermen will share mm-hmm. that because it can, it can change very quickly. It, it looks very calm, then all of a sudden the storm can come out of nowhere. And and so you can understand that. And that's really um, the story of life. Storms can come out of anywhere. Yeah. And, and I think what's so significant about us um, dissecting uh, these readings today about calming the storm is that people are very fearful right now. I mean, I sense mm-hmm. it in speaking with listeners and emails. I sense it when I'm out. Uh, speaking, I sense it when I'm on the air, and they're fearful about a number of things. We're very concerned, obviously, about the increasing problems in our country and our world, especially now the last couple of weeks with the the uh, devastation in Ukraine and the people that are suffering there, uh, but also post-COVID. And there's also a lot of concerns in the church because there's a lot of confusion and things happening. We see uh, bishops and cardinals in Germany, for example, um, just literally going off the rails in some of these statements that they're making. And we've, we've talked about this on the air with Al Cresta and whatnot and Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Sure. And so what are, we, what are we saying? What are we seeing? What are we thinking? And I keep reminding myself of, I think this is what God wants us to do. Remember what he said. Remember his promises. And... Have a perspective. Look at the big picture of who the church is and what Jesus gave us in the church. Not that we shouldn't be concerned about the problems of the storms, but to remember that he is true to his word. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. And whatever he brings us through, if we allow it, we are going to learn and grow from that situation, that suffering. Romans eight twenty eight is one of my favorite verses. Absolutely. So I, I love these 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 verses and these questions. I'm a water baby. I was born on the East Coast, Jersey City, and raised in Michigan, and and <laughs> love being around the water. So I, I just I just love that that idea of the Lord um, being in the boat, sleeping because He's God and He's got this. Well, <laughs> you know, that's and, the thing. And the word of the day right there is authority. Yeah. He knows mm-hmm. He knows who He is. Right. In light of his surroundings, mm-hmm. you know, I'm from California, born and raised out in California, and uh, so I got pretty used to the oceans. Right. right? And so when I came out here in the Midwest, uh, it, I was really impressed by the waves. I yeah. saw this lake has waves. Yeah. Now, we had lakes in California, but you know, you had the ocean, then you had a few lakes, and so to to see um, that there was lakes and that this had its own kind of um, role within the climate right was really it was very impressive to me it stood mm-hmm. out to me and so as it's as some of those experiences that help to shape and understand as we dive into uh matthew 8 here mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so it, and we got a break here coming up in just a couple of minutes but i would just i want a quick recap because there's something significant here we talked about ultimately lord save us we are perishing and that's where we captured the fear in that moment and Teresa, I love the connection you made because uh, I can imagine what kind of feedback you're hearing uh, from listeners and mm-hmm. as you travel the world speaking. Uh, we are hearing that. We're hearing that all over. People are fearful. And one of the significant things is they're letting that fear dictate, mm-hmm. right? And that's what's happening here. We're perishing. They're letting it dictate. And Jesus and Joe, I love you made the connection. You are, why are you terrified? But really the translation is, why are you so cowardly? 
Because we're letting something else dictate for us, and God knows what he's given us in that, that gift of authority. And that's, mm-hmm. when we come back from the break, I'd like to pick up there a little bit, Joe and Teresa, is picking up on that nature of authority. God knew who he was, and we, as sons and daughters of God, participate in a certain level of that authority. And yet, we, yet when we call upon the name of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's something significant there. So please stay with us. When we come back, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. We'll take a two-minute break, and we will be back. So stay with Awaken. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. We've been here from the beginning. We've been givers this whole time, and it really just has paid a huge, played a huge part in um, our faith growing. Um, starting with the testimony of Father Picot, that was the very first time I listened to Catholic radio, probably for more than, you know, five minutes at a time, and I was hooked after that because you get a glimpse of. Um, you get a glimpse of people in their real life situations, you know, and you, when we listen to Catholic Answers, which is one of our favorite shows, you, you hear questions of people and how they really think and their struggles and, and, um, it's great for our kids to listen to, but I, you know, you get different angles of how you answer questions and, you know, how you can look at your faith from a different situation. And I don't know, it's just, I, I don't know what I would do without Catholic Answers or any Dr. Ray, um, <laughs> <laughs> like Dan said, my, uh, my kids don't always enjoy us listening to that real presence radio is available on alexa enabled devices including amazon echo phones tablets and smart displays to enable the skill just say alexa enable real presence radio to listen say something like alexa open real presence radio it will then ask what station you want to play to which you can respond play sioux falls or play am 970 or play wwen from there you can use commands like play pause and stop listen to rpr anytime anywhere on alexa enabled devices Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Well, thanks for continuing to listen to Awaken. This is Mark Holcraft, joined by Dr. Joe Holcraft, and a special guest, Teresa Tamio, joining us from Detroit, Michigan. We might know her from Catholic Connection, uh, 8 a.m. every weekday, at least here on Real Presence Radio. And we're blessed we're in the city of Duluth, Minnesota. We're talking about the scripture passage, the calming of the storm at sea. And so there's a very descriptive, uh, picturesque moment for us as we discuss this. And here we are uh, on what feels like a sea, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Lake Superior. Lake Superior. But when, when you left, uh, when we left before the break, we were just discussing the idea of, I had mentioned authority because in light of fear, uh, and Teresa, on the break, you had just made some good points in regards to 
what are the things that we're seeing that we're fearful of and, and what are some of the effects of it and what happens when we let fear dictate? Mm-hmm. So please come back in with that. I, I'm seeing a lot of people uh, spending time on things as Catholics uh, that we can't control, that, that in terms of the way the hierarchy of the church is structured, if we believe what Jesus says about the church, that the gates of hell will never uh, prevail against her, as he says in Matthew sixteen eighteen, when he, of course, founds the church on, on the first pope, St. Peter. Do we really believe that? Because I'm seeing a lot of people going into these different camps, uh, sending us videos at Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Look at what this person's saying about this. You know, is Pope Francis really the Pope, or what's going on here? And what can we, as a lay people, do about that particular situation? Um, first of all, the, the people who have brought up that argument have no basis for it. It's, it's hypothesis and it's opinion, and it's causing a lot of division. And in my area of media expertise, it's nothing more than clickbait and fear porn to build upon the fears of people. And I think it's, it's not a very good thing that they're, that they're trying to do. And several of our theologians at EWTN and Ave Maria have, have come out strongly explaining that we shouldn't be going down this road. But what it shows to me is that we're not really, we're doubting. We're doubting what Jesus said right. about the church. E- even if this were a very bizarre situation, and let's say something did happen at, at, at the conclave years ago, uh, we as lay people cannot change. We can pray. We always pray for our leaders and pray for our pope. But if we believe in the structure of the church, the passing right. on of authority and the laying of hands, and what Jesus said, then we trust that God knows what he's doing with his church and that we also have to have perspective. The church has been around for over 2,000 years and has been through much worse than what we're seeing now. I was interviewing um, Curtis Martin from Focus sure. Fellowship yeah, of Catholic University students recently. He's just, he's fantastic. And he said, you know, maybe the 200, 300, 400 years ago, whether it was in the time of Catherine of Siena or St. Teresa of Avila or, you know, in the 1800s, St. John Vianney, maybe, maybe a 20, 50, maybe maximum 100 people knew if there were problems going on in the church. They didn't have social media. They didn't have cable. They didn't have uh, everything that we have on the Internet. And instantaneously, hearing what the Pope says, two two seconds as as words come out of his mouth. And so we are constantly taking in all this information and and just being drawn into these, these questions. What if, what if, when we need to. I was talking with Father Kuntz last night. Stay in the boat. Stay in the mothership. Stay in the bark of Peter. And do what God is asking us to do, because the only situation of which we have any control with the help of God, and we don't have control, God's in control, but what is he asking us to do in our lives, in our domestic church, in our parish, you know, the subsidiary idea where you start, um, you know, locally, that's what we're called to do. Now, obviously, if there are serious issues of abuse, there is a system that is set up that we are in every diocese now, we have an opportunity to report what may be, um, heaven forbid, abuse. So that's the area we need to go. And then we let the process work. But to sit there and get our, our um, uh, you know, our nerves all, you know, just uh, out of shape to worry about something that we can't control, that's the devil taking us away from, from God's will and what we're supposed to be doing. Each of us has a particular assignment. If you spend all your time watching these videos and commenting on Facebook and, and getting all caught up, then that's less time you can spend at the food kitchen, less time you can spend outside the abortion clinic praying, less time you can spend in your parish teaching RCIA or faith formation. And that's what the devil wants to do. He's a divider. He's a distractor. He's, he's the author of lies. So it doesn't mean that we're not concerned and then worried about what's happening in the church with some of these leaders who, uh, especially the sad things we're seeing out of Germany right now. But we're aware and we pray, and we take our concerns. Maybe if, if we see something, that, again, that, that's, a, that's a problem. We take our concerns to the local levels of the church. But then we go about doing what we're called to do. 
Absolutely. Doing what we are called. What is God calling us to do, especially during Lent right now? And he is calling us. Yes. And that's it. Like we, we need, as sheep, we need to hear the shepherd's voice. Yes. He is calling us mm-hmm. to something. And the more and more that we hear commentators uh, within, within the Catholic Church and without, like outside the Catholic Church, speaking and pointing to, we think we're on the cusp of a new time, whether it's a, a, a new sense or new change in the culture. God's voice is everlasting and it penetrates right. time and space. And so it's that same voice that calls us. And you, and you were talking about the church and the wisdom of the church mm-hmm. led right up to the wisdom and gift of Lent. Right. Huh? And Joe, we were talking about that briefly between Lent and the authority of the church. You know, yeah. the, the, what Lent provides for us is such a gift to counter those fears that we're speaking of yep. and to lean into the authority and the wisdom of the church. The, sta- the church stands in a certain sense above time because right. Jesus Christ uh, uses Peter as the rock, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, I'd love to hear your, not just say, you know, so to, to hear your take, yeah. but more yeah. than just your take, you know, your thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for all that you shared, Teresa and Mark. You talk about less time doing this, less time doing that, Teresa, is so important. And But above all else, less time with Jesus, who's the right. calming force in the storm, right? Who's in the boat? Mm-hmm. He's in the boat as you spoke to it. We talk about the word authority. What does that mean? Well, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. You know what's fascinating about this particular text is we actually translate the text as, you know, Jesus save us, we're perishing, we're lost. It's it's actually Lord save. It's just Lord save, and there, there's something unique about that. Lord save, you know, just to be with you, your calming presence. So before we do anything else, we must must be in the presence of that which is the calming force in the storm. Who is oh by the way a person in the name of Jesus Christ who saves, right? Who saves because yes. As, as you detailed so beautifully, Teresa, there are a great number of things going on today, and I have experienced on a smaller level what you have encountered on a daily basis. There's probably something in my inbox every day about a concern, just not with Ukraine uh, and just not with, per se, something politically in the United States, but also you know, within the church. And the first thing we can do, the first thing we must do is to spend time with Jesus, because in the end— you know, why, why do we hear again and again, up and down sacred scripture, do not fear, do not mm-hmm. be afraid? You know, why, why are the words, Jesus, I trust in you, etched to the divine mercy? It's fascinating to think about it. This great mission and message of mercy. And on the bottom of, of that message, on the ticker, there is what? But Jesus, I trust in you. Right. Jesus, because, Jesus, because trust is at the core. Right. And it, it's interesting Mark, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but if you really want to get to the heart of, of Lent and what we're talking about now, no doubt we focus on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ right? and what that looks like each and every day and how, how we are drawn into the divine intimacy with Jesus Christ. Indeed. Um, and as we do, yes, we talk about prayer, conversation with God, trust, relationship, and this helps us to overcome our fears. Teresa, you're talking about Romans 8, 28. What was it? But 12, 13 verses before that, we hear Paul say, you have not received the spirit of, the spirit of, of slavery, right. but you fall mm-hmm. back in fear, mm-hmm. the spirit mm-hmm. of sonship. Now, what's interesting about this, 
and I, I don't know if I, I've shared this story with, with you, Mark, but back, oh gosh, um, 25 years ago now, maybe how time flies 25 years ago, I was living in Washington, D.C. and working with the Missionary Charity Sisters there at the Gift of Peace. It, it was their formation house. But like all houses, whether it be formation, a formation house or not, it was a house for the poor, the poor, right? It was a house for the poor, the poor. So um, I had built up a relationship with this young man by the name of Dennis. He was dying of AIDS. Um, and I remember just before he died, we had this beautiful conversation. And somewhere there towards the end, he said, you know, Joe, it's interesting. I don't fear death. I don't fear death. I'm ashamed of how I'm dying. Aww. And I thought, wow. So no doubt fear <laughs> has consumed us. It's become like an entrapment. But even underneath that, where do our fears come from? But often what we're ashamed of. And why do I bring this to the table this morning? Because we have to understand that Lent while it be a time of giving things up and doing things for our Lord, should be first and foremost a time of healing, a time of healing in our in our journey to God and with God, but also certainly, as that healing would point to, as that relationship would point to, our healing with others, right? So this time of Lent, as we talk about fears and we talk about you know, letting go and allowing God into our lives, we have to see this as an embrace of healing too. Because isn't this the essence of the gospel? Right? We see this with Bartimaeus. Right? What do you want me to do for you? Right. Yeah. Right. I want to be healed. And after that beautiful encounter, after Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, as he is seen, he is now known. He follows him, um, and so. In our reflection this morning, I think it's really important that we include in this conversation the time in which we spend with Jesus in the boat and how our Lord invites us to go deeper. Because let's be clear on something. <laughs> this was an opportunity for the apostles to go to the core, right? Our, our Lord wanted to root everything out. And so uh, this is what we are made to do during Lent. He, mm -hmm. He's asking us to go to the core. What are those one or two things? And as he does, he's inviting us to, to take those things out from the shadows. Those phobias, those fears, those shames. And, and as we do, allow the divine physician to do his work, to do his thing. And oh, by the way, what is the outgrowth of that? We are going to be far less concerned about what is going on in the Vatican whether it's going on or not, what is going on in this uh, diocese or that diocese, whether it's going on or not, we're going to focus on self. Because as you so rightfully said, Teresa, what's important is what we can control. Because we have been given a very uh, particular gift, each and, every, each and every one of us. Each and every one of us have a unique vocation to live out. And no one is the same. And that's such a beautiful reality. We have something to contribute to the mystical body of Christ. And that's not going to happen until we embrace the encounter with Jesus, until we allow Jesus into our hearts, to, that we might be fully healed to then better serve him, serve mm -hmm. him as we ought. And if he calls us into a situation where we can 
help heal a situation in the hierarchy of the church, well, great. But we have to control what's in our circle and, and right. those you know, those things and circumstances that, that are nearest to us. And I, and I also think there has to be, especially right now, and this is what this is my area of expertise again, is there has to be a lot of media discernment. There has to be a lot of mm. connecting the dots. There has to be a lot of reflection. Nobody reflects anymore. And what I love about the way no. Jesus poses these questions, because he wants us to think. He doesn't want us to just react. He wants us to step back, take a breath, and think about what he's asking us. And to us. think critically. And to think critically. Yeah. And so if, if the apostles, and certainly not criticizing them, because that's a great example of all of us, right? Everything that Jesus has done for us, then when things get rough, we forget and here the apostles were with jesus god the king of kings and lord of lords and the storm comes up and they're forgetting everything that just happened and it's like ah you know wait a minute okay this person Mm -hmm. is this you know uh, fully god fully man in the boat with us is the messiah he is the savior so we need to have we need to have confidence in that and i i've gone through uh many experiences in in that situation where um you know seeing as much as i do as a, as a talk show host and having a lot of relationships with people at various uh, diocesan levels and even in rome knowing many people who work in rome and canon law and whatnot uh really seeing god has given me the opportunity to see the beauty but also uh, the fact that you know the church is not a sanctuary for saints but it's a hospital for sinners and if you think that you're going to find uh, a church that doesn't have sinners or doesn't have uh, problems and corruption, then you're, you're living in la-la land because we live in a fallen world. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that we strive to always be better, especially in the church, because we as Christians are called to be, uh, to be looked at differently and, and to be held to a much higher standard, especially the shepherds uh, leading the sheep. But again, what has God done for us in the past? This whole idea of remembering and reflecting. Deacon Dom and I did a whole retreat back in September for the Archdiocese of San Antonio for the diaconate couples. And we must have had, I don't know, 400 people there, 200 couples from across this huge Archdiocese of San Antonio. And we built the whole thing around remembering to remember, taking deacon couples back through their formation. What was the original call? on the husband's heart or maybe the single man's heart who, who decided to go into the diaconate. What was it that drew you? And don't forget that, that call and don't forget the beauty of your ministry, uh, whether you're you know, a deacon living out a celibate life as a single man or you know, a, a married deacon couple. Why did God bring you through this? What was it? And hang on to those things. I, I, years ago when I came back from um, a pilgrimage with Steve Ray, we're about to go on another one, uh, God willing, on Wednesday back to Italy. Uh, I was just on a whirlwind of doing so many speaking engagements and, you know, I have a hard time saying no because I just love talking about Jesus so much. And I I physically got worn down and I completely lost my voice. And my my doctor said to me, you cannot speak for six weeks at all. You can't answer the phone. You can't do anything. You cannot say one word. Your vocal cords are extremely damaged. My husband was was thrilled, not about my damage, my vocal cords, (laughs) but that he had silence for six weeks. He loved, ooh, this is fun, you know. And I can remember panicking because i'm thinking mm. okay this is my livelihood this is what i do mm, i've been on yeah. the air since yeah. i was a kid at, a teenager in high school at the lo- little local radio station so what am i going to do with my life how am i going to to earn a living and then all of a sudden it hit me and i thought well wait a minute every time god has brought me to something he's opened another door so maybe i won't be able to do radio full-time anymore but he'll show me something else that he wants yes, me to do and then yeah. there was this calm that came over and he's always used me in the way at the particular time that he thought was best based on my skill set and what he's given me. And he does that for everybody. And after that, I was fine and I, and I was peaceful. And thanks be to God, uh, my voice healed. But he brings you to these places and says, okay, do you really 
trust in me. And, and I look back at my life, I mean, there's no reason why my husband and I should still be married. You heard my story last night. Yeah. You know, Mark, we were, we were uh, separated twice. We consulted divorce attorneys, and now he's a deacon and I'm a Catholic talk show host. How do you even explain that? Yeah. I mean, that is such a miracle. Our own story, and there mm. are millions of stories out there in the naked city like that in terms of, of people who have had literally miraculous healings, whether it's been physical or in a relationship or in their you know professional lives for me it was uh, you know in that that professional life and that personal spiritual life but I just think back on but there's how would I get here I mean I know I got on a plane yesterday in Detroit flew to Minneapolis and flew to Duluth but how in the heck did I get to speak before a beautiful crowd of people last night to be on the radio with you this morning to get back on the air God willing tomorrow morning how in the heck did I get here? And that's what keeps right. me going, remembering, reflecting. And that's why God asks us so many questions. Connect the dots is what I always say. Pull back. Al Cresta says, look at everything through the lens of teaching and the, and the scriptures of the, the, teach, the, the, the teachings of the Catholic Church and scripture. How are we looking at the world? Matthew Kelly says, the way we see the world is the way we live our lives. Are we living it in fear through the eyes of the world, or through the eyes of some of these extreme groups, maybe on the right or maybe on the left, who are saying, you know, warning, warning, Will Robinson, danger approaching, for those right. who are old enough to remember, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. lost in space. Or are we saying, okay, <laughs> this doesn't look or doesn't sound very good, but God's in the boat, and he's, you know, the captain, and we're in the bark of Peter, and we're... Doing the John Bosco thing and sailing exactly. to the other side, right? Yeah. And isn't it interesting, though? We were talking about fears. And one of the things, one of the sure signs of fear is it paralyzes. Right. And it leads to no action. And we've seen it, a lot of that. Lately. We have. Yes. We have. Yes. And, and it paralyzes us. We were talking a little bit earlier. We can get we can get so consumed in what we're watching and seeing on TV. Yep. Right? And, you know, in regards to the journalism that we've been seeing in uh, the media. I don't even call it journalism really, anymore. It's right. A, it's not journalism. Right. It's this, not. And it's this, propaganda. This it's is pure and simple critique. propaganda. And, and But this is what a lot of our listeners are being filled with. You know, Joe and I, we, we've talked about this before where, you know, you are what you eat in a certain yeah. sense. And if you're feeding yourself this junk, um, it, it starts to plant seeds of all these things that are, you know, against the gospel. And it's not life-giving. Right. It sucks life out of us. You what know? does it make you... This is what I ask people. When they're watching these particular stories, whether it be on the TV news, whether it be on some of these extreme sites out there that claim to be Catholic, and they're saying that everything is horrible in the church, nobody is a good leader, you have to follow us because we're the only ones who are the most Catholic. How do you How do you feel? I know I don't want to sound like a Dr. Ray or, <laughs> or Greg Popchek. That's but, okay. We like yeah, Dr. Ray. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a psychotherapist, nor do I play one on TV. But but what does that, as you said, garbage in, gar- garbage out? It affects our peace. Right. I even told you this morning, coming in here, I had to turn off the TV. I, I turned on the news just to get an update, so I'd be aware of what was going on. And I said, "Okay, I'm done. Right. I'm done. I know I have the facts, and now I can. At least, hopefully, I have the facts. I have to do more research. But uh, then, then you have to back away. And I do this for a living every day. I have to bring the news to people. So if I'm curtailing my own. You know, right amount of Intake. information that I'm taking in. But a lot of these sites, and I stress this because I'm hearing from so many people, are all caught up in things that they cannot control, and they think that there's no good in the church anymore. And so, okay, then what are you going to do? Start your own church? Right. What are you going right. to do? And then you effectively become Protestant. Exactly. In that regard. Exactly. So we have to take a break here in just a minute, Teresa. But something I want to do, because I think it's important for our, uh, for our listeners and for us to make a distinction, because we're talking about, you know, fear can lead to, I mentioned, paralysis, uh, an inactivity, almost a closing anger. in on ourselves, right. anger. Mm-hmm. But it's different than, of course, silence. Right. Silence is not bad. Right. It's in fact, it's very good. You mentioned you had to be silent for six weeks. Yeah. And what the Lord did in those six weeks, you know, 
And so, because it's in that silence that we can start to listen, and I, and I love how people play on the words. It's the same letters in the word silence that are involved in listen. You know, it's required so that we listen, which takes us back to, and I know you just wrote a book, I think you're most Listening for book, God. Listening yeah. for God. Mm-hmm. Not a ability, very timely in light of Lent, mm-hmm. but just really for the, the spiritual life. Yeah. So, for our listeners, please stay tuned, because I want to come back to that. We want to spend just a little bit of time on the importance of silence, especially as we embark on the season of Lent. And then, as always, we will hit on our saint of the day, St. Francis of Rome. So, And as we've been talking, as we've been talking, it's like, oh my gosh, St. Francis of Rome, you know, living in tumultuous times when she did in the 1300s. So, lots of good stuff. Stay with us on Awaken. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. In today's world, we are enslaved to addiction. I'm Father Chris Alar. Alcoholism, pornography, and drug abuse have become the master of millions of lives, maybe even your own. Addiction has led to countless deaths by overdose and suicide. So what can be done about it? Victims often explain they are searching to escape the troubles of this world or they are trying to find a form of ecstasy. Unfortunately, these enslavers provide neither. The experience is only pseudo, a fleeting imitation of an authentic spiritual experience. There's only one true spiritual experience that can provide fulfillment, and when you find it, you will find hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken. Mark Holcraft here on the shores of Lake Superior with Teresa Tamio, and joined by Dr. Holcraft, as always, joining us from Ohio. And we're talking about Lent in light of the context of Matthew 8, uh, verses 23 to 27, the storming uh, of the sea, or the, the calming of the the storm at sea. I got that right, yeah? Okay. <laughs> you know, the coming of the storm at sea from Matthew 8. Uh, it's led to a beautiful conversation. Um, so much happening in light of our conversation. But before the break, we did, I gave a shout out to Teresa Tamio's most recent book, Listening for God. Um, and, and in that, she, she talks about 
you know, the art of silence and the, the importance of listening. Her tagline, discovering the incredible ways God, God speaks, speaks to, to us. us. Yeah. But we're not going to know that. We're not going to know that if we're not silent. And we were just talking, you know, if you're listening to us in the last segment, we just spent a little bit of time discussing the importance of critical thinking. Mm-hmm. We can't think critically if we're not first silent. Right. Because we just, sometimes we just need to let the junk out of our head. Yeah. You know, the junk that sometimes we're taking in too much, which we are also discussing. <clears throat> and yet I say the junk we're taking in, it's not that watching TV is bad. It's not that it's bad to stay up on current events. Uh, we certainly want to be judicious in what information, where that information is coming from to inform us on what is the most accurate as best as we can discern. Right. Right. And always in and through the light and lens of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is, it's, it's the vehicle of truth because uh, the founder in, of it's all that surrounds our faith around Jesus Christ is the truth, is the way, the truth, the life. We know this. And so to help shape that lens of how we not only receive information, but how we see the world and how we can impact the world. Um, so, Teresa, I'd love to, just to hear your snippet. I know you wanted to share some things, too, regarding right. silence, right. but even like listening for God. Uh, can I say a shout-out to one of our listeners in Bismarck? And you probably know who she is, uh, uh, Patty Armstrong, who's a dear friend of mine. She's a wonderful author, speaker, and blogger. Does a lot of work for the National Catholic Register. She just wrote me and said that she's really appreciating the conversation we're having. So uh, that uh, is mm-hmm. really nice to hear from Patty because she's a, a very uh, deep writer and deep thinker. And she's also a host on a wonderful uh, TV show, uh, a women's show out in Bismarck. So, hey, Patty, thanks for listening appreciate it. She's out in Bismarck, and I did the dinner for Bismarck a you few bet. years ago. Yeah. Fundraiser. The book, Listening for God, Discovering the Incredible Ways God Speaks to Us, is based on so many um, ways God has responded to me in my life, and I had these many, many over the times over the years. I've had what I call God winks or God incidences. There's, I don't believe yeah. in coincidence. <laughs> and then I, in talking to other people in my own circle of family and friends and, and to listeners as well, we all have them. But we can't have them if we don't recognize them, and we can't recognize them if we're not silent. Because God will speak to us all the time. It could be something as simple as you're thinking about a problem that you're having, or maybe you're praying and you drive by a church that has a marquee, and they have a scripture verse pertaining to exactly what you're going through. Or you're praying about someone that you haven't you know, heard from in a while, and, they, and the phone rings. Or you're thinking about maybe, this has happened to me a million times, someone that has passed away, and their favorite song pops up on the radio. Those are the ways God speaks to us. And, and if, we're not, if we're not understanding how, because of God's omnipotence, how he can use anything and everyone to speak to us, we're not going to recognize it, and then we're not going to have that inner calm to reflect and to realize that, that God is reminding us every single day that he's near us. It happens, I think, more frequently than, than we even know. And, and in, in that book, I talk about, it comes from silence. Last night in my testimony, I mentioned that one of the most powerful times I heard from God was when I, when I was in the midst of, this was after I was back in the church, I was working for the ABC affiliate in Detroit as a TV reporter, very big station, very prominent station in the Midwest. And I thought, here I am back in the church, we had healed our marriage, and you know, we're doing all these things for the faith, and I thought I was going to convert the entire newsroom, and this is where I was going to stay planted. Yeah, yeah. And, and yet, when I got there, within about a year, I started to feel like a fish out of water. I, I didn't feel like I belonged anymore, because God was showing me all the problems with the media that I hadn't seen earlier. And one night I came home, and it really was strange for me not to have the TV on, to see what the other reporters were doing with the sure. same story I covered. Because if you didn't have the exact soundbite that Channel 4 had, you'd hear it from your news director the next morning, so you always had to be up on what the other reporters were doing with the same story that you covered. And you see that now. Yeah, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I was silent. I came home, and I was making dinner, and I cried out to God, I do not get this. Why did you put me back on this huge station? 
the ultimate station in a major market in the Midwest, only to, to have me feel this way. And then after I did the Italian thing and let it all out, I was silent, <laughs> and there was no noise, no TV, no radio, and I, I heard, like, I felt, I felt as if it was an audible voice. It was that strong. And he said, I cannot use you in the secular media anymore. And that was it. And I didn't hear anything else for months on end, but eventually he drew me out, obviously, of the secular media into the Catholic media. But had I had the TV on, had I been on the phone, had I been seeing what the other stations are doing with the story that I covered that day, I wouldn't have heard that. That was the first indication of God showing me, I've got a different plan for you. And the reason I brought you to this point is I wanted you to have that experience at this big station, these other stations, so you could share with people how the media operate, because I want you to use that knowledge and expertise to help people. But it took me a while to figure out that was God's plan for me. But the first indication that he was doing something very, very different with my career path came during silence. Sure. Yeah, sure. And and silence. You, you talked about that a little bit last night. Yeah. You know, even, even before you took that the job with, I got to remember the, the new news station that you said. Yeah, uh, Channel 7, uh, WSYZ. Channel 7. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, that, that you were not working for a little while. Six months I was off. And, and in that time, again, like just that silence, but removing you to allow you to be able to see, to allow, right. that's the whole, it's the whole nature of a retreat. Right. You know, Joe talks about, Joe, uh, in one of the books he wrote, Unleashing the Power of Intercessory Prayer, we've talked about that uh, for several weeks on Awaken. Uh, he spends some significant time on silence as well. And I mean, it's a game changer. Right. Silence is a game changer mm-hmm. and we need it. And whether we're talking about media or just whatever the regular circles of our daily walk and daily life is, um, it can be so filled with noise. And not so much, I mean, yes, noise externally, but internally. Right. Our minds are just bombarded yes. with information and images. And you were talking about that with social media. Mm-hmm. There's, just, there's just so much information. You spoke about that last night. There's just there's so much there that we need to take. Well, this is the wisdom of the church. Right. The wisdom of the church is, hey, we're going to give you a whole season, <laughs> a whole season to just allow the Lord who wants to change you. Yeah. And to do so lovingly. You know, and we talked about fears earlier. Some of those fears being what, um, I, think, I think some of those fears, even within Lent, is, well, that usually means, you know, what'd you give up for Lent? Right. It's, it's the ultimate question, you know, that we hear all the time. Maybe not the ultimate question, but the most often asked question. Hey, what are you doing for Lent? What are you giving up? And there's a certain sense of fear or trepidation, like, ah, oh, that's, I'm uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, we want to, we almost want to, We'd rather work harder to hold on to the things that we're used to right. than just to let go and surrender, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Joe, I, before we dive into our saint of the day, I, I, just, I wanted to give you a chance. I know you wanted to share some things regarding silence. Yeah, I, I made to think of um, Cardinal Seurat, you know, and his book, oh, the his power, book. Yes. The, yeah, the Power of Silence Against the Dictatorship of Noise, um, so rich kind of the line that is an arc to that book is you know, God is silence. And as he reflects, and I'm paraphrasing, and it's really important, I think, to this conversation is that in the silence, we hear God's crystal clear word. Now, that seems to us is kind of a paradox that no word is being spoken, but only by virtue of recollecting, take a step, taking a step back, you know, situating ourselves where we are, take it and bring ourselves into the presence of God can we then actually hear the Word of God speak to us? Um, how important is it? Well, obedience, as I'm sure you've, you've spoken to and addressed, Teresa, in your circles on this topic, what does that right. mean but to listen, right? And maybe even better translated, to be in tuned with, obadire, to be in tuned with. 
Um, if, if we are going to be in tune with God, with, with what God desires from our heart during this time of Lent, we have to be silent. And it is a virtue, you know, because it, it takes that interior discipline to say no to this or no to that. Again, as Colonel Saraf reflects, you know, we have to turn off the television. We have to get up off the couch. We have to act silently so as to hear the Word of God speak to us. And then we will arise, awaken, and do what the good Lord is asking us to do. There is no good Lent, <laughs> Without silence. It's just Without that silence. simple, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, resting everything that we do, setting everything that we do during this great time of Lent on silence, in the end, will we'll, we'll bear its fruit. Yeah. And, and this yeah. is something, no doubt, over the next, you know, four to five weeks we need to be thinking about critically. I, I think sometimes it's so difficult for us to be silent because, silent because we're so used to all the noise. And I know even for me, I'm a very, um, obviously, I'm not a shy person. I'm very outgoing. <laughs> right. I can talk to a wall. Uh, and and if I am quiet, people automatically ask me, "What's wrong?" Yeah, right. What's mm. wrong? Well, nothing. I'm just I'm just relaxing. I'm just thinking. I'm just you yeah. know just meditating, yeah. praying, whatever. Uh, and it's for me. I, I love to have that silence uh, and, and just to sit and do my readings in the morning. You know, before I do the show, do the prayers with with my husband, and just to look out the window and look, like this morning, we're looking out at the, at the hills of you know of Minnesota, northeastern Minnesota, and the beautiful sun. And behind us is the Great Lake Superior. I mean, you talk about the awesomeness of God. Exactly. I mean, to be yeah. able just to stop and to look and and to say, wow, how great thou art. Whatever situation you're in, I, and I was talking to two physicians last night, amazing men uh, work in the field of cardiology, and, they were, and I said to them, I said, okay, I have to ask you this. When you are doing surgery or, or looking at the body, does it not increase your faith, cause you to reflect? And they said, every day. They are just feel like yeah. they are just tools, and they are they are some sort of a tiny tiny instrument. Awesome. They said mm-hmm. the body is so amazing, and and so this is what we mean when we say take silence to look at everything through the lens of scripture and the teachings of the Catholic Church. And for me, when I started my way on the back the Catholic Church, I didn't have time to get into this last night, but I was curious. I did not know what the church taught about media, and so I started looking it up. And I'm like, holy cow! Where have I been all these years? I could have had a V eight. I mean, if you just look at Vatican II, just look at Intermorifica. You look at the mm-hmm. World Communications Day statements, which are issued yeah. every year on the, Saint, uh, the Feast of St. Francis de Sales. It came they, that started actually right after uh, Vatican II, based on the discussions they had. These little nuggets of depth in terms of how we should discern the media. And then the catechism on media usage. And this is like mm-hmm. going back to basic journalism 101 that the right. church gives us. And this is the wisdom of the church. Because God is a God of everything. The church has wisdom on every area of our lives. Yesterday was International Women's Day. This is International Women's Month. How many people, and I did an editorial on this yesterday, took time in the church to look at the papal letter for women? Or Mulieris Dignitatum. Mm-hmm. Two incredible mm-hmm. documents by John Paul II yeah. that talk about who we are as women and our place in the world and in the church. And nobody is talking about this International Women's Month on gender ideology. Pope Francis has done so much in that. We're, we're on the one hand, in the world, praising women. On the other hand, saying that you can't be a woman. Adele, a famous pop star, says, I'm proud to be a woman. And she gets attacked on social media. Right, right. 
And who's yeah. talking about this on International Women's Day and during the month of women? Mm. But the church, if you pull back and you're silent, okay, Lord, show me what you have on this. Show me what I'm supposed to learn about this. There is so much in the church that we should unpack, and especially we're going to be talking about St. Francis of Rome. The saints are my heroes. If you look at these saints, they are the examples for us, that, that their, their lives and how they believe to the nth degree that Jesus is who he says he is and the church is who he says she is. Well, there, there are models of heroic yeah. virtue. And Teresa, we've got to jump into this because we only have a few minutes left. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, a little bit. So Francis of Rome, she's our girl today. You know, she's the woman of just holy virtue. And there's, there's, so, there's so much involved with St. Francis of Rome. Just a quick snippet, though. She lived in, uh, born in the late 1300s, uh, to, born into a wealthy, noble family, got married at about 12 years old um, to a man who was a good man, but she did not want to marry Francis of Rome, she would rather have become a nun, uh, but her father essentially forced her to marry, and out of obedience to him, she married. Uh, so she and her husband had three children. Um, oh, she's an Italian saint, by the way. She is. <laughs> Just want to get that in there. Let's not um, miss that point. <laughs> uh, a lot of Italian saints. Yes, um, I know. And so we're going to go back. <laughs> Sorry. Love it. No, it's, it's great. It's great. So uh, Francis of Rome, um, there's so much there. She teaches us the, the gift and virtue of obedience, of docility, mm-hmm. um, not wanting to listen to her dad and not wanting, I mean, in, in love with Jesus, she wanted to go, but, but out of obedience to, to the church, the wisdom of the church, she, she listens to her dad, marries this fine man uh, of the three kids. She suffers through two of them dying to sickness, um, in, in incredible stories of one of her sons, uh, whose name was Evangelista. How's that for a name? Evangelista yeah, Giovanni. Uh, Evangelista is um, threatened uh, many times. But one of the times he was threatened, he was threatened to be ripped apart, uh, torn with uh, ropes tied to him, and horses ready to mm-hmm. go in different directions. And at, to the dismay of Francis, she ran to the chapel crying, prayed. None of those horses moved. And the leader at that time... Uh, a count decided, okay, uh, your God must be protecting him and left him <laughs> and uh, left, left him to live. Um, there's incredible stories with Francis of Rome uh, and her, her life. She eventually, she outlived her husband, um, developed a tremendous relationship with one of her sisters-in-law um, who um, really, they both shared similarities in light of the relationship to their mother-in-law. So it's just very everyday. Sounds like, like a song of Ruth. Right. Very mm-hmm. modern day, Wherever but you're you go, right, I you will know? go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it's sometimes again we have these image or vision of the saints that well they're holy and we can't really relate to them. But when you dig into their life, what makes them different is they, they just they keep getting back up. Right. But their everyday situation. Mm-hmm. She lived during the time where. There was three men vying for the papacy. I was just going to say that. You talk about someone who could identify with some of the confusion that's going on right now in terms of leadership. This is not our first rodeo, friends. It's not. It's not. But how she she leaned into the wisdom of the church, the very thing you were talking about, Teresa, leaning into the wisdom of the church to help guide her, strengthen her. Um, But then she said yes. Mm -hmm. Right? She was the sheep that said yes to a good shepherd and listened and knew his voice. And I think you can't know the voice and, unless we give ourselves that time of silence. Absolutely. Right? I can't believe the hour Amen. is up already. This went by so fast. Thanks, guys, for allowing me to participate. Well, thank you. And Joe, thank again, you, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on yeah, Awaken. God bless you or to our listeners. And I hope that you have a blessed and holy Lent. Uh, and as always, St. Francis of Rome, pray, pray for, for us. us.
Prepare for us. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.